Hello and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a show where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. And one goal we have with this podcast is to highlight and celebrate other members in the software engineering community. And today we're honored to have with us Patrick DeSilva. Patrick, how are you today? Great, thanks. How are you guys? I'm doing great. Uh, Patrick, we want to just give you the opportunity to give you just a brief introduction for, for everybody listening of just uh, who you are, what you're currently doing, why you're in tech. Let's, let's hear a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Montreal. I moved to Berlin uh, about 10 years ago now. And originally I moved for my studies, but after my studies were done, I decided to stay to work here. And um, yeah, since then I've been doing many roles in areas of data science, machine learning. After that, I did front end, I did back end. I was CTO of a startup for two years, um, doing both like front end and back end development, like for a website and e-commerce. And um, yeah, now I'm a DevOps consultant at Polar Squad, and I'm loving it. Nice. Um, so you mentioned your your mm -hmm. studies. Uh, you yeah, doing? I studied mathematics. Um, actually, I thought I would become a mathematician my entire life. But uh, when I saw what the academic world looked like, it was completely different from my like expectations that I would just do research forever and uh, be free to explore the world in a mathematical sense. But at some point I realized there's a lot of like grants, proposals and uh, applications for positions and the competition is just too fierce to the point that it it's like not viable and salaries are also very low. So it's like, it's not fun. The The whole idea of you're a mathematician, therefore you do maths all day is not correct. So that mm. depressed me. And that's why I actually, it's, it's one of the main reasons why I moved to the industry. So how did you actually make that jump, right? You're studying mathematics and now you're finding your way into tech. How does that transition happen for you? Um, I think it was one of the worst. <laughs> Because I see, I see so many people on LinkedIn going like, oh, I've been applying for jobs for five months. Uh, I think this is not for me. It's like, it took me 13 months to get my first job and I had a master's degree. So I think like there's, because there's this phase where you try to become like a different person with a different mindset. Um, even if there was like a company willing to hire you tomorrow and teach you things, you would still have to go through that transformation. Um, and in my case, like, I think the first six months, um, I was like learning Python and doing some online courses, but in the back of my head, I was still having ideas for my PhD thesis that I never completed by the way. Um, because, um, that's actually the, the main trigger of me reconsidering, uh, doing my studies. It was, uh, do I have enough money to finish it? Um, and it turns out that I didn't. So it was like, okay. So I wanted to go to the industry to solve my financial problems, but I didn't want, like emotionally speaking, to switch. So there was a lot of phases where it was like, okay, I should learn Python. But then um, while I was learning it, I was having ideas for my PhD and I was like fighting those two things in my head. And so at some point, I think it took like six months to really put aside the my mathematical aspirations and just solely focus on not learning things because that's what I was doing all the time when I was studying, but like getting a job, like that's a different mindset because learning things is like doing courses, getting better at a certain skill and getting a job. It's the part where 
you know, you grow your network on social media, on LinkedIn, uh, you go to meetups, you meet people, you try to get connected with uh, employers, recruiters, um, people that work in HR, and then you try to get interviews, you prepare for those interviews, follow your CV, like these kinds of things. I was not in that mindset at all. I was like, I think I remember it was, I was five months in and I went to a meetup and I met this physicist guy that was really excited about me. And he was like, oh, you should uh, read this book about Haskell. And like, I was not thinking, oh, I'll read this book about Haskell because I'm interested in these jobs which require Haskell. I was like, ooh, Haskell is really interesting. And then I spent like three months doing just that. So um, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, the, the, mindset shift, the mindset shift took a really long time to kick in. So what, what else were you doing that time? Did you have um, like a part-time job? Were you working full-time? Were you just full, uh, fully focused on um, you know, trying to get a job and, and learning? Um, I mean, I was doing my studies with a, um, with a credit margin. So that's how I was uh, surviving. Um, because basically I got a loan uh, for my studies and I used it mostly to pay medical bills. Um, that's like one of the reasons I, I managed to stay so in my studies because of that loan because otherwise I think I wouldn't even have made my, my bachelor's degree so um, that loan was pretty uh, significant but the reason why I did the switch from PhD to in this, like from being in my PhD to going to the industry is because halfway through my PhD I saw like yeah okay if I don't start now I don't have enough money to make it to a job so I stopped relatively early and then I had enough um, funds available on my credit margin to just rely on that and look for a job full time so I wasn't working per se but I was still like tutoring here and there and making like 50 bucks sometimes per week but like that was not my source of income mm. or at least of budget so <laughs> yeah. yeah so Let's let's dive into a little bit more about about that transition and kind of, you know, going on that learning journey and like, how did you start? What was your introduction to code then? Right. Because it sounds like you did some meetup stuff and you got mm -hmm. some opinions from other folks that were around. But like, yeah. what was step one for you? How did you actually say, like, all right, I'm going to start doing something with code? Mm -hmm. where, where was that beginning? Yeah, it's not at all what you expect. Um, actually, the first thing that I did, um, I remember because I was. I mean, I studied the field of math called algebraic geometry. So geometrical things are like naturally attractive for me. Um, and my first, like, let's call it obsession, um, was to go into game dev. So I downloaded Blender and Unity and I started animating 3D stuff and um, making 2D games, 3D games. I never actually got to a full working game. Um, even if it would have been like a Hello World game where you just click the start button and then it says the end. Like I never got to that, but I was always like exploring like parts of a game and trying to make them look the way I would want to. Um, like I remember at some point I had the 2D player that would move around the screen and like collide onto walls and I was really happy that it would collide into walls. But like if you went to the wall by going to the left and the wall was on your left then you would hit it and that would work. But if you would walk to the right and then hold the left button at the same time and start walking backwards, then you could go through it, you know? So like I would have these stupid bugs and I was fighting with them and I was spending more time trying to figure out those little puzzles than to try to get to a full working game. So I never actually had something to show for it. 
Um, I remember there was like one video with 3D model I did at some point that like you had an invisible character that could walk around and bump into stuff. But that was like the first three, four months of my trying to get a job journey. And then on the fifth month, that's when I met this, this physicist. And yeah, then he told me like, oh, have a look in Haskell because in Haskell there's monads and monads are really cool in programming, especially functional programming, which is why most people don't even know what the word uh, is about. And in my field of study, monads were like really, really cool stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, if they're the same thing, let's start with that. And so I spent three months studying monads, which was completely useless for my job search. Um, but it got me really excited about programming. Um, and it turns out the companies that would use uh, things that are remotely related to like Haskell slash encryption slash things I studied were blockchain companies. So after three months of sitting at home and reading a book and talking to myself, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be more efficient if I actually <laughs> get interviews. So I went to two job interviews and the first one I didn't. I didn't come across as a nice person and I didn't like the person either. So that went terrible. And the second one, I kind of liked the person, the, the interviewer. And it was a small startup. There were like 25 people and I was interviewing with the CEO. But I remember like there was like a 30 second of the interview where it was like, uh, okay, what's your experience with Solidity? And then my answer was like, what's Solidity? <laughs> and then they asked something like, uh, have you done web development before? I was like, well, I know Python. And they're like, yeah, but we're thinking more like JavaScript, TypeScript. And I'm like, no, I don't know those languages. And I, okay, well, hmm, what are your salary expectations? And then for someone who knew nothing that what they asked, I had like a crazy high expectations. And they were like, yeah, no, sorry, that doesn't work. So yeah, uh, that was the three months that I wasted doing something that I didn't feel I would like to do. Because I also got the vibe that even though I knew none of the technologies, like just talking to the people, they were all those companies were like surfing the hype of blockchain a lot. So I I just didn't get that feeling that I would be happy there. And it's only after like like roughly six, seven months of struggle that I was like, oh data science, that looks nice. There's like statistics, linear algebra. Um, I get to get my hands dirty a little bit. It's not too like um, it's not too strict in how to do things. Like as long as you get it done, people are happy and they just want to see something and then um, that works for them. So I felt like I had a little bit of room to play there and I could like make some mistakes and learn along the way. So yeah, that's what I kept studying after that for like four or five months, I guess. But at that point, I, I was more aware that I had to go to interviews and meetups. And so like... It was a bit, it was a bit more of a directed study than the months before, where I was just like randomly trying stuff and struggling at home. Okay, so you figure out that you're interested in data science and you're mm -hmm. going to, to meetups and, and I'm assuming learning from other people and help having them help to guide you towards, uh, you know, the correct path. Not really. <laughs> so, sorry. That... Let me just add a no. comment there. Um, when I was in mathematics like the academic setting it's a lot like the the vibe is a lot like everybody has to be has this like self pressure that they have to be a genius and you want to publish your own paper yourself so you have to do the whole research yourself 
And if you ask someone for help, well, they're going to be co-authors on your paper. So you're kind of, you know, you ask, but you don't really ask. Or like if you do, you kind of have self-restraint to the point where things get hard. So no, actually, I was more like doing Google searches, trying to find online courses, but I was very, I wouldn't say rude, but like definitely antisocial. So how, how did the, does that then lead to your first role? Yeah, my first role was definitely not a, like, um, was definitely not a normal one. Um, so I was going to this meetup and then I found a guy that said, hey, we're really looking for smart guys like you with the math background. This looks very interesting. You should come at this event. I was like, okay. And the event was organized by Entrepreneur First. So they're like a startup incubator. So they, because normally startup incubators, they invest in companies, but this one invests in people pre-company. So there's no company at all. Uh, and they just bring like what they consider really talented and promising people together in the room. And uh, it was the first cohort that Entrepreneur First did in Berlin. So we were 50 people and they put us together in the room for eight weeks, paid us 4,000 euros. And then they said, okay, try to find a co-founder and try to start your company. And so, yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was something. Like I'd been, I'd been spending the last 13 months at that point, just learning about uh, like tools and tech and everything. And my first two months on the job was, okay, find customers, uh, define a product, uh, do phone calls, do cold calls, do uh, get warm leads, uh, figure out LinkedIn, uh, go knock on some doors, uh, like all these things that I'd like never done because I was in this mindset of like pure theory. So that definitely got me out of my comfort zone. And um, yeah, that's that's the beginning, actually. Let's let's explore that a little bit more then, right? So you're mm. you're already learning all this new stuff, and you're working on making this change from you know previously doing the mathematics thing, which you thought was going to be your direction. Yeah. Now you go from like, okay, I'm discovering code, I'm discovering data analytics, mm. now I'm discovering, I'm going to do this, you know, self starter thing, and I have to go be super social. Right? You made a few mm. comments already where you were saying like. Well, I wasn't super friendly in this interview or I wasn't super outgoing and talking to people and I wasn't asking mm. for help and I wanted to be a loner. Man, mm. how do you make that transition? And like, what what did you do? <laughs> it was heavy. I mean, I remember like the, so the thing is during that time at Entrepreneur First, I stayed there like six weeks because I just realized that I was not ready to build a company precisely because of what you mentioned. Like I was not in that mindset because the place where Entrepreneur First was located was in a co-working space. I could like talk with people from other companies in the meantime, which was good for Entrepreneur First, but uh, that's not exactly how I benefited from it. Um, one of my best friends was working in another startup incubator that was just like next door. But they had a very different mindset. For them, uh, the people that were in the incubator were full-time employees. So you get a full-time salary um, and you get to like brainstorm and try out stuff all the time. And regardless of what happens, as long as you're actually showing some effort, you're considered working in progress and that's fine. And so um, one of my, so that best friend, um, he was having lunch with me every now and then while I was an entrepreneur first. And he was asking me questions. It was like, oh, what if I want to do this uh, machine learning model or this linear regression or this kind of thing and this and that. And I was answering his question at lunch just because, you know, I had time and the atmosphere at Entrepreneur First was pretty relaxed because we were supposed to just talk with people to figure out what kind of problems they have. So I was talking to him a lot. And then at some point, like I mentioned that I was leaving and his boss went like, hey, do you want a job? <laughs> I was like, okay. 
<laughs> so um, they hired me at the beginning because they had someone who was interested in building a chatbot company. It was really intense to uh, work with him because he, uh, my, my best friend, I mean, because I was working with him directly. And um, so we were working on building this chatbot company together, but I didn't have a product mindset at all. Right. And the idea was that he decides uh, which kind of customers we're going to have, who to target, uh, social media, interviews, customers, business model, all these things. And I was supposed to deal with building the technology. And so I spent like one month trying to build an AI based search engine by myself with no prior experience with even VS Code. And then after that, my friend was like, why don't we just like get something up and running. And I was like, but that's not fun. Like I want my big fancy machine model learning model. And uh, he's like, no, 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 we just want something that works. Like we don't need something fancy. And I was like, okay. So we had a lot of fights about like what to do first because I wanted to do the fancy thing to show that I have some value and he wanted to do the actual product to show that we have some value. And oh, we fought so often. We were fighting like, I don't know, twice a week. <laughs> and like I'm talking like heavy fights where we like scream in the office because I'm just pissing him off with my bad attitude and it wasn't a bad attitude because I wanted to be mean or arrogant it was just that I had still not let go of my academic mindset and I wanted to be in a place where I just study all day and have fun and don't worry about the outside world right so he's really the one that got me to realize that like yeah, when I leave my ivory tower of academia, now I have to care about like people around me and that's why I'm working. And so I, I would say that took about like a good six months of working with him to really get into the mindset of we're doing this to help people. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. Uh, I mean, I, I've worked with him uh, there and I've also freelanced in a company where he was working for another nine months a bit later in the future. So this guy definitely um, showed me the way of like what kind of mindset I need to have to, to work in tech basically. Wow, it sounds like uh, it was very non-traditional. No. I'm assuming a lot of us for our first roles, we kind of assume we're just, we're gonna take it easy in the beginning, we're just going to learn and then we'll build up our skills and start building things and taking on more responsibilities where it sounds like you were just like, taken on a lot and uh, just trying to like figure it all out for the sake of building this product it sounds like a lot of pressure like how did you deal with that and how did you grow into that role i mean i was definitely working way too many hours it's not that i recommend working the hours it's just that i'm a very stubborn person well it's not that i'm like naturally stubborn i know how to let things go but if there's something that i don't want to let go then it takes a lot of time to change my mind you know because if it's something that i don't care about i'll let go like in the next second but like mathematics i've been caring about that my entire life so to ask me to just completely change my mindset overnight that took some resistance and luckily my partner was the, like the, the the person i mentioned earlier like he he was just as stubborn as i was so <laughs> we were bumping each other's heads the whole time um but i feel that because i had the technical background like my challenges were not technical like of course I had to gather some experience and get a knowledge with some tools, but I never had a struggle that was like, oh yeah, I was stuck for one week on this uh, API problem or on this uh, website bug or this UI bug. Or It was never things like this. It was more like, 
why did I just spend two weeks working on a product that nobody needs or on a feature that nobody needs? And that often boiled down to, I didn't talk to this person. I asked the wrong questions. I was too excited about the technology and I didn't care about if people actually want to use it. Uh, and when you're building a product in a startup, that's probably like the most relevant kinds of questions that you want to ask. Like doing the actual work should be seen as like cherry on the Sunday. All the work behind figuring out what to do is the big bulk of the thing. But that's specific to startups. Like if you're working in a product company that's already quite mature, often you get hired, you build up your skills and you just do what needs to be done. And sure, you interact with your team and you do some problem solving and start asking the right questions. But at least the problem is a bit more well-defined, which makes your life a little bit easier. Yeah, I think I think we got a lot of lessons just right there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about... the our podcast self-taught devs and Mm -hmm. you know you definitely are doing the self-taught portion of this but one of the things we always talk about here besides the technical skill or like what are the soft skills that we need to build up to make us successful in the industry or even just you know working on projects with other people and you said a whole lot right there where you're like hey man sometimes it's just about the questions that you ask and the way you communicate with people and even if you're going and working on a project that's already more defined you still have to utilize those skills right i i'm curious to hear your development now, right? So you go from, you know, being in the, involved in the startup and, and having all these responsibilities. And I know now you said you transitioned to more of like a DevOps role, which I want to talk about too. Um, so what what does that path look like for you then? You're, you're, you know, working on in this project, you're working in this space with the startup. How are you then transitioning out from that and moving into DevOps? And let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um... A bit like I mentioned in the background so far, um, my challenges were not really at the technical level. Not that I'm perfect, because I'm not. I mean, I definitely made some technical mistakes as well. But I often made those mistakes because of my ego or my lack of communication. Um, like, let's say, for instance, I would get stuck on a week for a, on a problem. The mistake was not that I was didn't have the skills to solve that thing in three days or two days. My mistake was... I could have just asked my colleague what experience and would have figured it out in 10 minutes. That, that w- those were the big mistakes that cost me a lot of time. Because usually, uh, even when it was in a new programming language or uh, with a new framework or a new package I'd never used before or whatever, I would usually take the time that's usually required to learn it and I would learn it, you know, read the docs, try out some examples. Like, I know how to learn things. <laughs> that's how I can summarize that part. But what I didn't know how was how to deal with people. So the fact that I was working in startups where like a big portion of my job was to work with people, that definitely accelerated my growth. I mean, after this company, I was working as a CTO for a young startup and the road to CTO was very uh, rocky. And even when I started as CTO, that was like six months into the pandemic. Um, And the company kept going with me as CTO for like, two years. So you can imagine how rock and roll that that journey was. I mean, it was a startup doing fashion e-commerce. And then at some point there was Brexit as well. And we had a lot of uh, suppliers and customers in the UK that were shipping or um, receiving orders there from Europe. So uh, it was it was really intense. And in that job, if I hadn't learned to communicate, I would have just instantly burned out. I mean, because COVID happened, we we're all locked inside our apartments, basically. And 
I just wanted to like that's one thing that I didn't real that wasn't very clear to me when I was in my studies, but it really became clear when I moved to the industry is that I I really have a personal need to help people. It's just that it's complicated for me to help people by dealing with them directly. And so I had to learn to kind of ask uh, my questions efficiently so that I understand what they want uh, without having to bother them all the time. And then I can sort of abstract them away and then solve their problems from a technical perspective. So like, for instance, let's say we talk with uh, uh, our colleague resp uh, responsible for finance. And then he would ask me like, uh, yeah, I need uh, this information to be able to send invoices to our customers. So I was like, okay. So I asked question one, two, three, four, and then it's like, took some notes, bye-bye, go away. <laughs> now I do what I need to do, and then I produce something, and I send him results, and then he needs to look at it. And if he likes it, then good. If not, he sends me other questions, and then we keep it raining like this. But if the Patrick from five years before would have tried to solve the same problem, he would have been like, okay, let's reserve like a six-hour time slot where I look at him and he's there for me all the time and I ask him a question whenever I have one because I don't like think ahead and then he's just like sitting there look at me for looking at me for like an hour and a half two hours and I ask one question and then he's sitting there again for an hour so like these kinds of things I, I just uh, I had to learn right and I, I get I think you get the gist of what I was trying to say that mm -hmm. It was very transform transformative to go through these problems and having to manage a team on top of that, like a lot of things happened. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, mm. growth, uh, especially personal growth with you know, being a CTO and you mentioned DevOps um, earlier. So how did you go from CTO mm. to DevOps? Yeah, so I mean, at some point the pandemic was sort of over and the company, um, that I was working for a CTO stopped struggling. And then they could like look at it, look at itself from like a detached perspective and like realize their actual needs instead of just like fighting fires and looking on how to survive for the next week. And they decided that instead of building their own website, build their own backend and their own servers on AWS and all this stuff, that they could just run on Shopify. And that was a big shock for me because I'd been basically keeping this tech that was burning from day one on top of my shoulders. I even got a team to work for me with a very small budget. Uh, so grateful that I had them in my team. But I basically had to tell them like, look, uh, if you're going to move to Shopify, I'm not going to become a Shopify developer because at the beginning I wanted to be a data scientist and machine learning engineer. And then when I started working for them, they had an AI model that they were trying to use behind the website. So I joined the company, but then the AI model didn't become the priority and the priorities were in the front end and the back end. But I really believed in what they were doing. So I decided to stay and do some front end back end development, which I then like added as part of my skill set, but that wasn't exactly the plan. And then from there I became like a tech manager because I needed to do more than what I could do myself. So I started hiring some people uh, and we grew to a team of like, it was oscillating between five and 10 people over the two years. But yeah, at that point, like when they decided to move to Shopify, I was like, I already like settled for front end and back end development, even though it was not in my original skill set, meaning like I decided to pick it up to stay in the company. But becoming a Shopify developer, doing low code, I, I felt like it wasn't, I wasn't as valuable as I could be 
or seeing it from their perspective, I was way too expensive for being a Shopify developer. And so I basically told them like, look, it's time to go. And then I was just trying to find another job. Actually, I thought I would be doing machine learning again. I was actively looking for machine learning jobs. And my current boss just found me on LinkedIn and he said, hey, you look like an interesting guy. Let's talk. I was posting very differently than I'm posting now. I was talking about, I don't even remember what I was talking about, but it was not DevOps. <laughs> I was just talking about uh, stuff that I was seeing on LinkedIn. I was commenting on people's posts and so on and so forth. And yeah, he wanted to talk to me and we had a conversation for an hour. Um, I didn't even realize that either of us could be working together. Like he didn't think he could hire me. I didn't think I could work for them. And uh, we started talking for half an hour and then I mentioned I was on a job hunt and he was like, oh, you're looking for a job. Okay. And then I mentioned a little bit what I wanted to do. And because I had struggled for so long with my previous company and I said something like, like because they their transition to Shopify and then I didn't have any value anymore. So I decided to leave. What I told my current boss was that what I really want to do now is to do something meaningful because I had spent so much time in previous startups where I had built a product for six, 12, 24 months. And then at the end of it, there is nothing or the product that I built is just archived. You know, it's not running in production. Nobody's using it. So I wanted to do something that actually means something that I made someone's life better, at least. And that really got to him. Um, and I didn't realize why until um, a few months ago, because actually the headline of their website was we make tech work meaningful. And I was like, wow, OK, I magically hit the, hit the sweet spot right there. But I, I didn't realize it because I wasn't even being interviewed. I didn't prepare for the conversation or anything. So yeah, he gave me another job interview with the co-founders of the company. And a week later, I was hired. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick, for, for talking about uh, your past and sort of your learning experience and your journey. We really appreciate it. And um, we're happy to have you on Self-Taught Devs. I would say, Patrick, where can people connect with you? Uh, I mean, the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Um, I guess you guys can add a link somewhere in the description of wherever mm -hmm. our listeners find us. We will but, do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm very active Go on ahead. LinkedIn. I post content related to DevOps somewhere between daily to weekly basis. So feel free to connect and follow it. Awesome. Check for Patrick's uh, LinkedIn link in the show notes. We'd like to thank everybody for listening to Self-Taught Devs. If you could do us the kindness of leaving a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to help support the show, you can talk about it with people you know, post about it on LinkedIn, tweet about it, tell your friends to check it out. Hopefully they enjoy. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. For Matt Ehrlich, this is Eric Winklespecht, and thank you all for checking it out.